Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. about to be hit with another one-of-a-kind bitcoin podcast interview uh today we're joined with i don't know man Corey. i feel like i'm uh, like in honored i'm honored to be joined by this person because i mean he's been in space a long time and but robert richard mcdaniel aka night ripper aka lord of war aka og of the ogs aka uh, Bitcoin Stacker Supreme, aka Taco Bell Trip Taker. <laughs> if you always wanted to have someone on, we could just keep saying aka. <laughs> I did, I did. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's let's just let's just start into it. Like, how, this uh, this is even more fun to ask you. Why? How did you get into this? And how long you've been in it? And kind of give people a quick introduction. Is like. Who you are. Yeah, so I heard about Bitcoin in December of 2009. It was cross-posted from the Cypherpunks mailing list to the Tor mailing list. And uh, the reason why is because they had just added support for Tor to it. And I thought it was a really interesting project. I had been following the discussion around spam email for many years. I'd even heard of Hashcash and Penny Black before. And... Um, you know, I kind of forgot about it for a couple of months. And then six months later, version three came out and I remembered about the project and I said, oh, well, this is going to be big. So I knew I had to get some and uh, it, the rest is history. Yeah, mm. so there's so much there's so much rest there. <laughs> got in. Yeah. When you're like, you know, quite early. And you were saying right before we got started, like you were you've been around since before the majority of the big names that are still relevant today uh kind of kind of yeah um my my bitcoin talk id is 369 satoshis is three um that just means that i've been registered at those forums of, of course people had been following the mailing list way longer than the forums had even been around there was another popular forum before bitcoin talk but it's the oldest surviving one mm. are you craig right no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm so bad. I'm not. <laughs> um, so did, did you ever get to like have conversations with Satoshi at all before he took off, or did you did you ever comment on any of his stuff, or he, did he talk to you? Um, or I, you just I was just in all. Okay. Yeah i I kind of knew enough to be dangerous, but it, it was all over my head. I was still a computer science student and, and trying to figure it all out. I kind of understood the game theory part better than I did the cryptography. And um, I was a libertarian. So, well, I still am. And uh, that that kind of what drew me to it in the first place. Uh, the the Liberty Dollar guy had just gotten busted. E-Gold was getting shut down. There, there was a lot of um, uncertainty around the legalities of that space. And... That was I was more of a black hat hacker back then, so that didn't bother me. Mm. Why, uh, like you did, you were you were an op- moderator, or you still are, maybe in, in Bitcoin talk for uh, a long no, time. No, I retired. Yeah, I was a politics section moderator, which is a very thankless job. 
in, um, in especially Bitcoin since talk. I tried to moderate it in, in in a way that made sense for the politics section. I, I tried to make sure that there were no circular arguments. Like if page eight of the thread looked like page three, I kind of just closed it down. And of course, that that made a lot of people mad because they were happy to sit there and argue forever. But I was trying to encourage productive conversation and um, eventually just got to be too much work for me. So I just resigned. Yeah, what was that like? What was that like, like watching this stuff like blow up kind of, right? Like you're, you've been around early and then you've seen all the ridiculous hype cycles from the beginning to where we are now. And the kind of somewhat repetitive waves of people and their mentalities as they go through these hype cycles come in each time and, and potentially different like differentiations with each hype cycle, what was that like? Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's um, similar to any technology. There's a lot of early hype. People are really excited to use it. And then they try to deploy it to production and they, they hit reality and realize that a lot of this stuff isn't ready for prime time yet. It, it's very niche and the UX is horrible. You got to use a lot of console commands. So then reality hits them and they're, kind of interest wanes and tapers off and then it gets reignited again um a lot of things is just technology needs to catch up faster internet connections more you know more processing power larger hard drives do you think we're like far away like how so from then to now would you say that there's been a lot of progress made or just a lot of high dollar lipstick on bigger piles of shit like would you <laughs> like or, an interesting way to put you know it. what i mean like, <laughs> like is, is it are things getting better or are we just like covering up the inefficiencies better and better over time from um, where you, technically from i think things are getting getting better um but i think the biggest uh the biggest gains have been from the legality in the beginning it was kind of seen as a bunch of hackers with a ponzi scheme to the point now that it's no one owns it it's more of a natural resource so governments are not really trying to shut it down they're just trying to figure out how they can make use of it yeah trying to make moolah off of it based on that how do you see it yeah how do you, how do you see it moving forward um within the next you know one to five years um assuming that government is performing its intended function where if the people want something then it's the government tries to give it to them uh, or at least get out of their way and, and make sure that everything is fair i think that bitcoin is in pretty good shape it's kind of like the sec's take on it they just want everyone to have informed consent and make sure that they're playing by the same rules as everyone else they're not really trying to be a king mm. Would you say you're like, would you say you're a maximalist? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, an anything uh, maximalist, really. I, I think we only need one internet. I, I don't want to have to get on a separate internet to talk to Russia. Um, I only want one subscription service. I don't want to own Disney Plus and Hulu and Netflix and all that. I just want to go one place. So, yeah, I, I'm a maximalist. That being said, there's plenty of reasons to use something other than Bitcoin. Namely, can Bitcoin do what you want to do right now? And if mm. it can't, then maybe testnet isn't really what you need. Maybe you want to do something with real money. And um, that's where other chains can come in. Would you, this is a big question for our sponsors then, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Because if you only like one kind of cola... Yeah, I question that. Um, you know, the, 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 the Pepsi challenge, is, is that a real thing? Do, do people really care? I think if there was only do. one soda. Yeah, I think people just like to be finicky. They, they just want to be able to say, oh, I like this better than that. Yeah, I'm right there but with you on that one. Do they really care? Yeah. Well, you, if you if they got to drive to the next town to get Pepsi, will they actually drive there? I know my pops gets mad at Pepsi, like, is like angry. That's just, but he's an interesting, interesting man. So I guess, so since you've been in Bitcoin this long, how big is your island? 
<laughs> no, I <laughs> I went through my new money phase already. Um, uh, yeah. So explain I'm, I'm that. not very materialistic. What's the new uh, money phase? I, I I tried to be the the Johnny Appleseed, so I gave a lot of it away early on and, and made a lot of silly trades. Um I bought Crisis Two for ninety Bitcoin, stuff like that. Mm. Mm. Well, that's like that's uh, they, you had to have that uh, because at the time it was a it was a reasonable decision, right? Like, like it's not you have to have people using it, yeah, otherwise it never would have got to where it was or where it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I made the decision looking at where I thought Bitcoin was going to go, and I had a plan. There is a certain amount that I will, I'll never sell. Sell, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a certain amount that I'll never sell. Um, I'm just going to pass that along. I don't keep that on me, obviously, for operational security. But um, I, I I live comfortably. I can kind of just do whatever I want. I still keep a job because I like coding and I like solving problems. Um, I kind of steer towards more um, philanthropic projects. The one that I'm working at right now is is trying to give um, health care and, and other benefits to hourly workers that traditionally don't get those kind of benefits. So it's really rewarding to still work every day. Yeah, it's, it's nice mm. to, I bet it's nice to be able to work at something that you're passionate about as opposed to be maybe like stuck at something that pays the bills, but you're not terribly fond of doing. You're just kind of in a, in a rut there. Like I think that that type of freedom is something that a lot of people would would love to have, but it's very difficult to achieve. Yeah, and I'm a senior software engineer, so I'm highly paid anyways, e even if I never got into Bitcoin. And, yeah. and I've also made a lot of money off of other projects. Yeah. Mm. The, the Lord of War uh, pseudonym is probably one of the more profitable ones. So what, is, what does that do? I'm, I'm curious. Um, I, it was a, uh, I sold a bot for an MMO, so you wouldn't have to grind. Oh, wow. Oh, was wow, it Lord of War? Have you heard of Glider? <laughs> uh, Glider was for World of Warcraft, and um, it was similar to that. And, and the reason why I stopped releasing it is the the reason why Glider stopped is because Blizzard Entertainment sued them and, and won a lawsuit for $6 million. So the yep, writing yeah. was on the wall that I needed to get out of there. And Blizzard was definitely not happy with bots. I mean, I think every single one of their game has had a, a rich bot economy behind it. And it's been trying to try to try quite a bit of resources trying to stop it. Yeah. And, um, for me that what bothered, bothered me most was that they claimed that cheating at a video game was a DMCA violation, which is kind of, kind of weird to say that cheating at a game is stealing the game. Hmm. Yeah. That doesn't make, that doesn't make much sense. So, so what do you do? What do you do in crypto now? You've been in it so long. Are you just like a a quiet observer? You're just like, oh, just look at let them go. Or, or are you still active? What do you What are you actively doing if if you are contributing? Um. Yeah. I obviously, uh, you know, I'm the CTO of 1638 Digital. It's a blockchain fund. But um, in the space itself, I've been involved with one project or another. I've built two Bitcoin exchanges. I worked with uh, Kevin Bombino. He was a um, um, seed round investor in Kraken and Armory Wallet. We worked on a double entry uh, bookkeeping system for Bitcoin to help you pay your Bitcoin taxes. I think that it's been rebranded as coin tracking now. Uh, it was coin reporting coin tracking info. Um, yeah, I've just, yeah, I think that's it. That's a great service. Mm. Yeah. Um, I worked on, uh, an updated version that used Node.js and angular and kind of those modern web technologies. I think it's still w running on PHP right now though. Gotta love that. Yeah. <laughs> is that your, is that your, what I, over the, over the years I and mean, you've seen a lot of the technology change how and i and the experience of using crypto has changed dramatic, 
I was about to say dramatically, 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 dramatically <laughs> oh, since like even before Bitcoin talks started, I mean, it's, it's changed one, how like it's lowered the barrier of people to get in, which has up and downs, but it's, it's necessary for any type of real adoption. Um, it's drastically in, increased the security of um, how you hold Bitcoin and not lose it or any other digital asset associated with cryptocurrency? Like, has that been fun to watch? Tell us about a little about the experience back in the day of actually, because most of our, I think most of our listeners aren't nearly as old as uh, the, the, even the three of us. Explain how difficult it was to just use Bitcoin and Shenzhen Jackson's in the early days. Paradoxically, it was very easy. Yeah, the shit. It didn't take long for the <laughs> blockchain to download. Yeah, the the blocks were mostly empty, so it was really quick download. Um, there was even a a little drop down in the Bitcoin QT client called CPU mining that that I used when I first got there. Started mining a couple fifty Bitcoin blocks, but eventually that went away. Um, you couldn't export private keys yet. There were no HD wallets, so that part that that really wasn't helpful i think a lot of people lost their their early coins because of that and then um, other services started filling that gap armory wallet was probably the first one i used for like multi-signature stuff mm. damn yeah d's one of those it's people so that deleted his wallet that dot file lost some lost some coinage <laughs> it's yeah i did i did lose some it was so easy though like because you didn't know where it existed unless you went to the application and you couldn't export it. So it wasn't like you, you had to basically, you didn't know what to yeah. back up in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. On Windows, when, it was in a hidden folder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you make uh, mistakes like that, it's one of those like, huh. And then it takes several hours for it to sink in because you're just looking. You're like, yeah, this is not, these buttons aren't clicking like they used to. <laughs> I remember the day. I remember the day. I was sitting because we used to, me and D used to live together when we were in college, and I'm sitting on my computer, and he walks in. He's like, "Hey, man, uh, I, I, I can't find this is it's Litecoin when he lost. I can't find my Litecoin. Yeah. I just I was just cleaning out my computer, getting rid of some old old space, yeah. some some stuff that was taking too much space, and I deleted the uh, application data folder, and I can't I can't find my Litecoin. I was like, "You did fucking what?" <laughs> Look, man, the irony was I'm trying to make space for fucking Open Bazaar because I didn't have any room on my hard drive. So I was like, oh, well, I got to make some room on my hard drive for more crypto shit. And then boom, Litecoin gone. So that was fun. Not fun, but kind of fun. So do you you have – so right now, I think you kind of said it earlier in the interview, but is it – I guess reiterating, like right now, things seem like they're gonna um, stable out for cryptocurrency. Like it's not something that's a threat to governments. It's just something that exists and something that will continue to exist. If you, if you mean, if you had to, you know, put on your wizard cap and think of what the future looked like, there's no longer this threat. Yeah, this emanating threat that. Mm. Yeah, it, it really depends on on government. I can't predict yeah. how government's gonna gonna act, but as far as our government, it seems pretty friendly. It, it seems you know we just want informed consent to make sure that everyone knows that that the risks involved in Bitcoin, at, like for example, any moment Satoshi could come back and just claim all his coins, and now the market's crashed. He probably wouldn't do that, but um, you know that's just one of the risks that you have to disclose to people. And as long as people understand that. And, and can weigh that risk, then there's no reason why not to let them do what they want with their own money. Mm. Okay. What about the regulation of, of how to pay taxes? I think that's the main thing that people and businesses like complain about or worry about and builds their reluctance to use it uh, in like business business activities because like how you tax it is difficult to understand. And then, uh, even though there is software and better accounting systems to help you keep track of um, like the actual transactions to pay 
uh, taxes on is getting better, it's still not very robust. And so because that's not something that's standardized and, and useful, it we we lost that a large portion of adoption because people are just afraid to do it because they would like to stay uh, like good citizens of whatever jurisdiction they're in. Yeah, there needs to be more guidance and there definitely needs to be legislation so that small transactions don't require that kind of information. Um, you, you shouldn't be have to check the price every time you buy a cup of coffee just to see what your gains are. <laughs> it's it certainly makes you it, it you you're going to do that anyway kind of right especially with a with an asset like bitcoin like my tendency to spend is very related to the current price of whatever it is i'm spending because it's so volatile right now like i tend to spend more when the prices are up and i tend to not spend so much when the prices are down and if that's going to become the backdrop of how a lot of people like pay for things from day to day, then one, it's going to, I don't know, make us more like the rest of the world in terms of the United States, because we don't think about money like that, but it's also going to be more difficult or like uh, something that a lot of people aren't, aren't going to want to do. Yeah. Something like um, anything under $500, you don't have to even calculate that, that gain. That would be great. Oh man. I'd be so happy. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> I just yeah, I think that's reasonable to too. Yeah. I had a miniature freak out and I was like, oh shit, yeah, Coinbase is like reporting things now. So then I went on Coinbase and I like got my like tax information. And then it was like so much such a range of emotions from what I saw. I was like, wow, they're tracking a lot of shit. That was like my very initial thing. I was like, whoa, they're tracking a lot. Um and then the second thing was Oh, so I guess if I even log on to Coinbase and breathe, every Excel and inhale is a taxable event. Because what the fuck? Like everything that goes in and out is a taxable event. And yeah. so then I, so then yeah, I got a little bit no angry. Way of knowing. And I got angry there. So I was like, well, fuck, now I'm going to have to go talk to my senator, I guess. And then I looked at it. Then I looked at everything. I was like, oh, okay, it's actually not that bad. But it was just a lot to take in. And it does need, I mean, it needs some guidance. Because I, I, I then I went on Reddit and then looked at this even further. And there's so many threads right now of people who are flipping out because they're like, I don't know what to do with all this. Do I owe millions of dollars in taxes? And it's just like, no, this it's not. It's it's just it's it's very hard to figure out what you're going to do with that now. And they need to make it a little bit easier. So not a question. I'm just yapping. So. Yeah, and they've scared a lot of people. Yeah, they yeah. scared a lot of people with the with the new IRS question. Just it, do you have you even traded in crypto? It doesn't matter if you've made any money or or how much or even with who it was. Do we need it's to just, put you on a list? Is basically what it, the question is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can we flag you? And, and and you know, five years later, if if we see you have a lot of money, we're just going to go and do a fishing expedition on you. Yeah, they're they're trying to catch people slipping because if you say no to that. But Coinbase at the same time is reporting that you do, and then you're screwed. I think that's they're gonna be like, ooh, checkmate, gotcha, bitch. So Yeah, it's um, tax fraud. If you sign that thing, you're saying that you you know it's it's accurate information. Mm -hmm. I work for a blockchain company. I'm not gonna be able to not sign that thing. <laughs> yeah. I am gonna try and, and I run like, the Bitcoin Podcast Network. That's probably not gonna fly. Yeah. <laughs> In court, like, what's Bitcoin? This is your face on the Bitcoin podcast <laughs> network. No, it's not. Uh -uh. I'm a liar. <laughs> uh, so, are there are there any cr other cryptocurrencies that kind of got your uh, bits jibbly other than Bitcoin when you read about them? Oh yeah, or definitely. Um, Ethereum was was one of the first ones. I, I, I'm really excited about that. It's just a new paradigm of, of computing the way that you can have a, a public state out there and you don't have to, you're, you're running code and you don't care who's running it. You don't care if it's on Azure or, or Google or AWS. It's just run this code and I don't care who's running it. So I think that's, that's a game changer as far as just um, how you think about programming.
And for me, I always kind of ask the, the first question is, well, why don't you just use Bitcoin? So if your, your idea is like something plus money and you're trying to use another token for money, then I just kind of ask, well, why don't you use Bitcoin? It's the, the best money right now. And then if you can't do what you want to do with Bitcoin, then I ask, well, why aren't you using Ethereum? And then I, I go from there. So if you have a good use case for your own blockchain, um, some of them are just kind of grandfathered in like Saya. They've just been around since 2014. It made sense for them to have their own blockchain. In their white paper, they claim that they're going to go to a two-way peg sidechain someday, but the uh, the co-founder lately has said that that's insecure. I've been pressing him to figure out why that's insecure, but he hasn't responded on that. And I'm still trying to get a debate going between him and uh, Paul Stork. He's a really smart guy. Uh, came up with the drive chain concept. Yeah, they've been they've definitely been around. Yeah, they've been around for a very long time. I remember going. I'll say. Three years ago, they were starting to grow quite a bit at one of the consensuses. It was the first token uh, to token summit in New York. And they were all over the place putting out cards. And I remember thinking that they had a chance for what I what I considered the storage wars at that time. You had you know, storage, SIA, yeah. Swarm, and IPFS trying to all vie for the same thing. And it's I, I think it's funny that I'm not terribly sure any of them have won yet. The hell's drive chain? Yeah, I, I think they have the they have the best game theoretical uh, framework so far. That where uh, making a contract with someone and uploading uploading a file to them incurs a cost on your end. So you don't want to just sit there and upload to people all day long and then they just disappear because that's that's a denial of service attack. So you need to have that that incentive to make sure that if someone forms a contract with you and takes your file that they actually want to store it and they and it's going to be stored so that's why you have collateral and i think the last thing that they need is uh, some sort of proof of burn so that you can't have a civil attack where you pretend that you're like 50 different nodes but you're just one one node mm -hmm. and that would reduce your redundancy if, if you send that file thinking you're sending it to 50 different people but it's the same person then you just lost redundancy so that that's kind of the next thing that they need to implement but I think they're 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 far ahead of the game as far as the game theory part and even the the working application part. Like they're starting to stream 4K videos directly off the network without downloading the blockchain. That's pretty hot. How? <laughs> Wait. I feel like you're so locked in. Like this. What one? I I don't know what drive chain is. I feel like I should, and I don't. And two, how are we streaming 4K videos? That, 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 that seems like that's impossible. I need, educate me, please, sir. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the details, you know, memorize them. But yeah, it's, I've seen the, the proofs of it. The people have actually done it. Um, there's some sort of, of adapter layer or something like that. Mm, okay. I will be looking into that. <laughs> yeah. They had a $1.6 million investment by Bain Capital too. Um, they, they own Dunkin' Donuts and Burger King and a bunch of other stuff. They're one of the largest private equity firms. Mm. Uh, it's, I would good. love to see, you know, how do they, they plan on getting their money back because, you know, Nebulous, they have SIA funds. I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but it's kind of it's actually a two coin chain. There's Sia Coin, where you pay for file contracts, and you get paid for storing files. But there's also Sia Funds, where you get a percentage of each contract as, as a fee. So um, Nebulous they crowd funded um, selling Sia Funds uh, in the early days, but they still own most of them. But um, you you don't make a lot if you even if you own a Sia fund right now you're you're not getting many Sia coins per day, so it'd be interesting to see how they plan on making their money back. Hmm. I'll have to dig so into you that. Said, you said something earlier. You said Bitcoin is the best money right now. There's a lot of people that would disagree with you. Um, what do you say to those? those oh yeah. People? Well, I would say that we needed to find you know, the term best, because I, I wouldn't want to even start a debate with, with that kind of vague definition. 
So okay. yeah, we would probably spend the first 30 minutes arguing over what, what the best money would be. And, and I would argue liquidity. And, and so actually Bitcoin isn't the best money right now. It's the best digital money, trustless money. It's non best non-fiat money, but it's, you know, US dollars probably the best right now. Mm. Please don't kick yeah. me off for saying that. Yeah, you're done. Court is over. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, you, you, you're not wrong. You're very right. Uh, the USD is highly liquid. Um, just there's a lot of people that I think I just got into, dude, believe it or not, I got into a beef with Mr. Kenneth Bozak uh, two weeks ago where uh, he said I'm a poser. He called you a poser? <laughs> He called me a poser because I don't use Bitcoin cash. Uh, <laughs> he was like, I live and breathe this crypto shit, bro. And right now I can't use Bitcoin as money. I got to use Bitcoin cash. You're just a poser. And I was like, okay. All right. How do you, de- how do you defend that? Oh, I mean, I defended it by saying like, well, you don't have the authority over how people use their money and, and what money is. And I use Bitcoin all the time. So here's the problem. Here's the problem with that argument, in my opinion, is that sure, if you're talking about, you know, spending 20 bucks, 100 bucks a day, that's fine. If you want to move millions, if you want to buy millions, sell millions, like you're not going to be able to do that with many coins without drastically moving the underlying price of that token that's what that's what you mean by liquidity right like that bitcoin there is no match for the amount of liquidity in bitcoin period ethereum is doing okay but it's still i still argue that if you tried to move a tremendous amount of ethereum in the market it would move the price significantly more more, much more significantly than bitcoin uh Mm -hmm. i'd say i mean what is your opinion on that you've you've worked help helping make exchanges. I'd imagine you understand some markets pretty well just based on the software that runs them. Yeah, no, that, and also liquidity, I mean, you know, number of trading partners too, not just one person Mm -hmm. with a lot of money, but just being able to go and, and spend it. So yeah, sure. You can find a couple of places that'll do some really quick zero confirmation Bitcoin cash transactions, but Try going around town and spending it, even in a, in a big town. You're not going to find that many places where you will find people that, you know, they've just heard of Bitcoin and they're just ready to, to jump in. They've been meaning to try it and you are you have some Bitcoin right now that you want to spend with them. So they're going to go ahead and, and, you know, onboard right now just to make that happen. You're not going to find that with Bitcoin Cash or Satoshi's Vision or any of these other ones. Now, what I see... What I have seen, I've never really followed through with it because I got I got tired of seeing it. it. I'll constantly see if I get on Reddit, like, oh, now spend your whatever coin in ten thousand locations via this service or whatever, right? And so, like, it seems as though there's a, there's a tremendous amount of people in basically every base chain trying to help the adoption by providing some service that links to the traditional infrastructure so that I can, so they could pay with whatever coin and go to the local like POS system, use some card or whatever, or tap their phone and, and, and buy something. Like, do you think that tapping into that infrastructure is the right move for gaining massive adoption across across a chain or is it, or is it like changing behavior based on the ideals of the underlying cryptocurrency? Yeah, it's probably mixed. Um, on one hand, it's getting more exposure to Bitcoin, but on the other hand, it's it, you're not really using Bitcoin. You're just selling it on the spot and then using fiat and moving that around. So, in some sense, it's not it's not helping. What you really want is you want people to take Bitcoin and then turn around and hold on to it until they need to spend it, say, you know, bills or whatever. And then it becomes a closed loop. And that's when the value starts increasing because everyone's holding it now and, and the, the supply is dropped. Hmm. We're far away from that. 
but not too far. I got a lot of OTs that own Bitcoin now. So just a little smidgen. D's D's favorite uh, metric. <laughs> metric hey, production. On T's. They they're they're they are wise and elderly. And if they're locked in like that, that says something. So um what would be so seeing as you are an OG of the OGs, what would be something that could happen to Bitcoin um that would make you like elated, like a change. I, I know that I when at least when I got into Bitcoin shortly after, like a few years after you did, it was I was so excited because Bitcoin had this opportunity to like, oh, if something else cool comes along, it's programmable money. We'll just soft fork and we're gonna have this ultra currency that can do all the things. And you know, you know fast forward, now we know that that's damn near impossible. It's just really, really difficult. So if there were one thing that could, you know, get through the gates and upgrade Bitcoin, what what, what are you most excited about? As far as a technical? Yeah, on the technical uh, side. Advancement? Yeah. Yeah, definitely fungibility and confidential transactions and that kind of stuff. Was it Taproot, Schnorr, those things? And that was... And that yeah. Was, okay. Yeah, I saw something yep. today that said those just got pushed into, like, BIP status, Taproot and Schnorr. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess they're making their yeah. way through. Schnorr, Taproot, and Tapscript. They got three BIPs out for it. Mm. Beautiful. I'm very curious to see what you happens. When, if they, I imagine they will go through at some point. At some point. I'm very curious to see how things, because it, it drastically changes how you build on top of Bitcoin. And what you can't build on top of Bitcoin, because most of the time people go to other things, namely Ethereum, to go build these things, or they go try and make some sidechain like Liquid. Uh, and and because of that, you take a lot of the use out of Bitcoin. People just hold it and wait, basically wait for something to happen in a lot of, in a lot of instances. I'm very curious to see what happens when those things get through, because it drastically improves the amount of things you can do, and the uh, and and because of that, like gives a lot of incentive to build, to go back to building on top of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I like to make analogies to the internet. So I think where we're at is, is not quite back when you had to be a university to get on the internet, but we're more like where you had to pick out a phone number and figure out where to dial to. And that's kind of confusing. No one liked to do that. And now you just have a technician come and they install the internet for you and you use it. So I think that's, that's kind of what we're looking at that, that right now with people still manually select coins and, and, and care about that kind of stuff. And that's not what the, the, the end goal UX needs to be. It needs to be just, here's your balance. All Bitcoin are the same. Don't worry about it. There is this like mm. part of that, like what you just said. So I remember when, people who had computers at their home used them for things other than the internet because the internet didn't really exist. And that was the vast, 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 well, that was the only use for, for computers. And when the internet started, a small subset of those people started using their computers to then do this weird thing called the internet and play with that. And you fast forward to now and the vast, vast, vast majority of devices, a lot of them are computers, are only used for the internet. That's basically their only function. When I when my mother tells me she wants to buy a new laptop and she tries to point out the three thousand five, you know, thirty five hundred dollar MacBook Pro, I'm like, no, you're just using the internet. You don't need that. Your mm-hmm. phone's probably just fine. The Ocho Core. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the Ocho Core. How long <laughs> is it gonna be <laughs> until we get to that? And what are we going to call it? I think that's the main thing that I'm not willing to take bets on at this point. I'm not willing to say we're going to call it Bitcoin yet. I think it, it could it could be yeah, it could be know. a bunch of different things because, like you said earlier, like all the new chains uh, besides besides Bitcoin or Ethereum, in my opinion, anything that wants to do value value transfer uh, is basically an experiment in changing how you do blockchains. Uh, Bitcoin is the hedge. That's the one that's been safe, secure, solid, and will main- probably maintain that that head. But um, there's a potential that with the 
ad- advance of technology, namely the cryptography we use in a lot of this stuff, uh, we can come up with something that's drastically better and therefore could become the backdrop of this stuff because scale is always going to be an issue here. I, so like, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I think it's always going to exist. Blockchain-esque type things are always going to exist because we figured out how to do digital scarcity. But I don't know what it's going to be called in five years. We should just start. We should make a, a resolution, Corey, where we make up a name every week for what we think it's going to be called. And, and then, then eventually when it gets called that, we just yeah. point back to how smart we were. Exactly. We could say, <laughs> told you we got it right. That's what we could say. How many people, uh, Night Ripper, a.k.a. Uh, Digital Genie, a.k.a. No, I'm kidding. I could go on like that for days probably. We don't want that. How how um how many people have you been able to t- say I told you so to and give the middle finger to at the same time? Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> yeah, I make sure to come back, you know, once a year and just like, uh, if you would have listened to me on this date, here's, <laughs> here's got, a screenshot of he's, it. He's probably made an application that gives you reminders of who to call and and say <laughs> what say what to. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, I gave away a lot of Bitcoin though. Uh, so, so are you 2011? Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, in 2011 at my university, I organized a talk uh, for about Bitcoin. I got the computer science department to host it to sponsor it, and I gave out one Bitcoin to everyone who showed up, and also gave out free pizza. But to get people to show up, I had to hand out flyers all over campus. And I made sure to go to the different departments because and I, you know, the message was kind of geared to each area. So if I was at the engineering part of campus, then it was all about the technical technical aspects. If I was at the poli sci part, then I was all about, you know, what are we going to do about taxation and governance and stuff like that? So I made sure to get different cross sections of the campus to come. But quite a few people just looked at it and they balled it up in my face and just you know, said, oh, you got to pay your taxes. And <laughs> there's a lot of angry people. We even got one of the faculty. Uh, she came and, and listened to the entire talk. And then at the end of it, she stood up and just wanted to tell us that we're not as smart as we think we are. Hmm. Why? Well, <laughs> what was her point there? Like, what was the talk? I like, don't know. What, it's During the talk, what did you talk about? Like, just how it worked or how it, like, potentials or? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, by Plato. He was an early uh, user. He was doing. He had just graduated from MIT, and he was doing a road trip from Boston all the way to, all the way to California. And he was trying to spend Bitcoin only. So he was looking for people oh, that would meet him at a gas station and take Bitcoin and and, and give him some gas and stuff. No so local Bitcoins back then. I, you know, but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just put a pin on the map and I said, hey, if you you come through my area, look me up. And um, he did. So I arranged the talk just to make it even more worthwhile. Um, a funny story about that is um, he he met my grandmother and he gave her 16 Bitcoin. So she later on sold that and, and, and paid off her house. So that that was kind of a great windfall for her. <laughs> oh man my grandson met this weird guy that paid off my house that's like that's the story that she tells people with internet money yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i can i can say yeah, the she, same thing based on like a blog post like i got i got a i got basically got a tip from a blog post a long time ago that ended up eventually ended up paying for my house that is a crazy yeah, i think story. i think her story I think her story is kind of typical of people that had some early exposure and then completely forgot about Bitcoin until years later when they heard about it in the news. And they're like, oh, I had some of that stuff. Let me let me find it out. Whereas it seems like most people that watch the Bitcoin price day in and day out, they didn't really they sold way earlier than that. Yeah. And I'm certainly one of those. I don't I don't have seventy five thousand Bitcoin. So, you know. Mm-hmm. 
technically speaking, every move I made since I, my initial acquisition was, was a mistake in, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> that's assuming, you know, that's assuming that well, I didn't enjoy it, all the a, vacations and stuff that I took. Also from a purely like trading perspective, but if you look at it from all of the other things that it like the tremendous amount of help, adoption, knowledge, um, like underlying utility, getting people involved, getting them interested, like all of that, that was a product of using and selling at, the, at, the, at those times, I think is a greater good to um, the the entire ecosystem than what you may have made right now if you just held on to it, right? Like if everyone who right. bought back then it just held on to it, there wouldn't be a Bitcoin nowadays. Period. Oh, right. There wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, and, and the problem was, well, now you can kind of spend and replace. But yeah. the problem was back then you would spend it and then a month later the, the price had already jumped, you know, doubled or 10x or whatever. I actually remember when the, the the big the big thing was will we reach parity with the dollar? Will one Bitcoin equal one dollar? And that was kind of like the moon for a lot of us. But like was back then there wasn't enough liquidity for everyone who had you know seventy five thousand Bitcoin to sell it when it, if it if it did hit a dollar. No. Yeah, that was the reason why I started my first exchange is because there wasn't a market and I had to keep doing everything OTC, and it, it was just a pain. So I kind of scratched my own itch, and then at the same time, um, learned a lot about making exchanges. Could you talk about that, like? What was the process of you figuring out how to make an exchange and then deploying it and then getting users because there was a real need? Like because you had that itch, there's a guarantee a lot of other people had that itch in, in, in the ecosystem. How did that how did that process go with you turning it on after figuring out the bumps and, and bruises of building the damn thing? Yeah, I think I had a a benefit because I was kind of like the visionary and I also uh, I'm a programmer, so I could do both. Whereas, whereas there were a lot of people out there who were very business-minded and they knew that they needed markets and stuff, but they just didn't have the skills to build it themselves. So they had to go seek outside help. And, and that just made things slower for them. Um, and as far as making, you know, learning how to do it, the, the the tricky part for me was like the order matching and, you know, what do you do when there's you can only match part of a payment and what do you do when there's a, a spread? Do you just, you know, pocket the spread or, you know, or overlap or whatever? Or, you know, how do you handle that kind of stuff? And, and that was what really interested me in, in solving those problems is just learning about how markets work. I didn't even know what a market maker was at the time. Yeah, man. I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a common story for a lot of people. Maybe not to the, to the, the detail that you've had is... Like speaking from my own experience, I got into this because I really enjoyed the computer science aspect of this. I come from a high performance computing background. And when I read about, when I read the original white paper and saw a couple of videos, I was like, oh, this is a really cool like method for doing things. I like how this solves a computational science problem. And then the process of digging and digging, digging, I was like, money is kind of interesting. And markets are interesting. And value is interesting. And then I learned a lot of other stuff because uh, it was necessary to understand like the entirety of what this project did. Uh, mm. I think it's, it's yeah, it's, and it's, even I, more so for me because of, yeah, because I was a libertarian, so I'd already kind of like understood the 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 protest against the Federal Reserve, and you know, understood the the macroeconomic stuff. So that's. It, it, that's what I love about Bitcoin. It touches on everything. There's computer science, social stuff, markets. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing that Bitcoin doesn't touch and force you to learn about. Yeah, that's what makes your family hate you at family get-togethers too. Because it's like, <laughs> man, we were just trying to talk about sports and you're like, yeah, but Dinwiddie is tokenizing his contract on the Ethereum blockchain. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Always with that crypto shit. No, um... It's it, you're right. It, it's it's so multidisciplinary because at the end of the day, it was trying to become new money, and that is more powerful. Like that that that's very powerful to to try and become new money. Uh, just from what I've seen 
and and what I've read read about, and it it touches so many aspects of everyone's life. And I I guess did you happen to see that that graph that I posted? I think it was yesterday morning where it shows like how little people are sending now when it comes to Bitcoin. And like it shows like when it first started, people were sending sending whole bitcoins willy nilly. And now it's gotten to a point now where you rarely see someone send the whole Bitcoin. It's mostly people sending sats or I think bits is what people try to call it. I don't think that really caught on bits. But in order for that to sustain, the only way for that to sustain is if the value of Bitcoin goes up. Right. I mean, am I am I being too assumptive in thinking that? Because that converges down to more maybe. Right, that converges down to sending either sat satoshis or pieces of satoshis. You can't converge too much further than that. So if yeah, sub sub satoshi payments are are pretty interesting. They are, aren't they? They're going on the Lightning Network. It's going out of style, but I mean, you don't hear about that kind of stuff. So, well, at least I don't hear about that kind of stuff. All I, whenever I try to hear a Lightning Network, all I see is like a a, br- a brigade of Bitcoin Cash people that are like. It's crazy, but um, anyways, I guess the question yeah, I was is, skeptical. Of... I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. The, the question is, since you've been in this so long and you you've kind of lived in the economy of it for 10 years, do you see anything that could break away the tendency for? Yeah, it has to keep gaining value. I mean, I, I, I don't think. There's much pointing uh, in the opposite. No. Direction. Yeah, no, I guess the, the biggest threat would be if, you know, we had a hundred years of economic and monetary policy prosperity to where that all of all the governments were acting right and all of the central banks were acting right. But that seems very unlikely. Oh, yeah, it does. They're trying to. I don't know. It seems like it's just a long road to go from where we went to where we are now. And it's going to be crazier to see the mania when this thing touches 20,000 again here in the next few years and people are like I can't believe it Bitcoin's not dead so I don't know it's, it's just I, I can't imagine being in your shoes and still holding it together for being this right I guess <laughs> that's what it is um, well I mean for me Bitcoin is just a huge validation for libertarian philosophy. So that's kind of why I'm so thrilled about it. And um, then, you know, the the new markets that it opens up, the new business models, making microtransactions actually possible. It's been a, a huge dream for a lot of people for a very long time. That's what really excites me more than just the price going up. Hmm. Banking the underbanked. I think this people are still trying to do that. Um, I don't know. Since you are a libertarian, yeah, um, pay, petty loan people that can't have a, a checking account, they get preyed upon quite a bit. If, if you got to go to check cashing place, the the fees are ridiculous. If you start getting payday loans, the, the fees are ridiculous. The interest rates are are um, should be criminal. I, I don't understand why they're not. Yeah, it makes it puts you in a worse position than you were beforehand because it, it there's no way you can pay back yeah. the original loans because it was so much unless you're really in a circumstance where it's like this like one off scenario of oh I'm actually going to have the money I need to pay all this back soon instead of I have no other options this is the only thing I can do and I'm not going to have options in the future so I'm just going to be in debt or make my life worse. Yeah, I think this technology yeah, or ru- ruin your credit, so now you can never get a house. Yeah, you're stuck renting forever. Mm. And that's just so the US. You... Go ahead, D. No, no, I was gonna find a question, but no, I was just no, saying that's in the US. Thinking. Like, like we're all like we we have things going pretty well in terms of financial services within the US. It could be much better for sure, but there's a tremendous amount of places around the world. And since Bitcoin is not jurisdictional, that could potentially help people live their lives in a much more stable way or have access to services that they couldn't have access to to build businesses on a, on a global scale. That, that all this stuff really, really offers up. I think that's 
one of the main reasons why I'm in it is that it allows people to potentially pursue lives that they never would have been able to pursue beforehand, just based on being able to use this technology. Like it's, it's, uh, I agree. Yeah. One of those things like imagine like you're a coder, um, in some rural underprivileged area, there's no local market for you at all. And if, if you have access to the internet, you may not have, be able to get a bank account or any of the associated things so that people can wire you money or pay you appropriately. But you can certainly provide services across the world. You just could never get paid for those services in any way that's useful to you. But with, with, with cryptocurrencies, you're, it's very easy to set up shop, get paid in those currencies and make a substantial living with it relative to your local community and then give back to that community with that new wealth or just provide for yourself and your family. Yeah, definitely. And there's services like Mechanical Turk where it's not even really that technical. It's just if you yeah. can use a computer and you can transcribe some stuff or follow basic you can, instructions, you can click on, you then can you click can on actually buttons. make money. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mechanical Turk. What? Never heard I of Mechanical like... Turk? No. What it's an onslaught of people. You pay you pay them to do simple tasks on the internet and they will do simple tasks on the internet for very large, very small amounts of money. In a, in a gist. What counts as a simple task? Uh, like, fill out the survey. Uh, I would imagine they've been employed to uh, send emails or like certain types of comments. Or um, I know one thing. It was a video imaging uh, processing company that when the AI was below a certain threshold, they would send it to a mechanical Turk. So that so like for instance like they could like the person would be like the number is thirty three on this picture, move on, instead of dealing with what the AI uh, con- uh, confidence interval was. So if it was below a certain threshold, they couldn't quite figure it out. It would then get batched to mechanical Turk, pushed it, and then the the result would go back to the end user wanting to know what number was in this picture. It's it's an unending amount of things you can do. With Mechanical Turk, because it's just people on computers doing whatever you ask them to. Can it fix Wikipedia pages? Yeah, let's you. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't think so. I'm not planning anything. I just wanted to know. I don't. What What are you even asking that question for? Like, what, what are you talking? Can it fix Wikipedia pages? What does that mean? I don't mean fix as in like a Wikipedia page is broken. I mean fix as in like Vegas style. There's several things I need history to know forever. That's all. I don't I don't know where you're going with that one. I need history to know that Kim Kardashian is a porn star. I need uh, history been, to know there's behind. lots of things. You've been backing that horse for a while now. It's been almost going on two decades, damn it. There's lots of things I need history to know. And uh, I want to just make sure Wikipedia stays the way I need it to stay. Well, then why That's don't all. you uh, why don't you go on that adventure and come back and tell us how that works out? Go on mechanical. T- <laughs> I'm going to make it my life's work now. I, I uh, got a question for you. Like, how did you find us, and why did you decide to join? Because you spend you spent a decent amount of time in the Slack contributing like quality content to us, and we definitely appreciate that. I I, I would like to make sure that people know that it's a place people can go to ask questions, learn more and talk with other types of people. Like how did you, what made you decide to join? Um, yeah. Uh, being on Slack is probably the number one thing because I'm already on Slack for work and, and, and other stuff. So there was just one more channel to add. It's pretty easy. Discord is kind of the same way for me. I hang out in a couple of different Discord channels. Um, but what really attracted me to the conversation was just how knowledgeable everyone is in that channel and, and how open you are to the talking to new people and trying to educate people in the space. Um, it's Twitter can be pretty toxic. So I try to avoid that stuff. And in general, I, I've really kept a low profile and I'm kind of only coming out in the open just because of the, my association with 1638 digital it's. You know, it's in my interest now to to tell people my history, whereas I was I could have been comfortable just staying under the radar indefinitely. 
So this is really the first incentive to kind of, you know, shout out to the world. Hey, I, I once had a bunch of Bitcoin. Um, you know, please don't kidnap me. <laughs> I, <wa> I <laughs> once, I once had a bunch of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Once. Yeah. I lost it in a boating accident. Yeah. We definitely yeah. appreciate the conversations you bring to the table and, and how, non-inflammatory the conversation is it's it's getting people to see like what it was like back in the day and how it's changed and reasonable dialogue on where things can go how they work and so on and so forth is always welcome so but thanks thanks for thanks for bringing that yeah. as long as you don't go into that politics yep. i think that's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty heated yeah. in there you want i'm already in there I'm you want to moderate you want to moderate a politics channel i <laughs> I muted it. I don't even. I don't even participate no. in that channel. <laughs> no, I. I think. Yeah, I went in there for a day, and I was like, "Yeah, I can't be. I can't do that every day. I can't. I can't." <laughs> so I just stayed away from it. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining the Slack, man. It's it's it, you're definitely helping out there. And like you said, if you're listening to this right now, pull over your car. Please don't get into a car accident. Join the Slack channel. Uh, join the conversation. There's lots of really knowledgeable people in there from like wide, so, like so many different disciplines. And we all just kind of come kicking and talk about all kinds of stuff. So, and uh, I don't, know, I don't, I, I don't yeah. have any more questions. Cool. Yeah, Richard, last, I guess, what, tell us about anything you want to shill. Like, uh, tell us about 1638 Digital. Do you want to tell people like where to go, what's new, things like that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, 1638 digital. It's a blockchain fund. It's a two and 20 fund. Uh, two is the management fee and 20 is the incentive fee. So if we make you money, then we keep 20% of that. And um, we are partnered with Gemini and Kraken for custody. Um, Warren Averett mm -hmm. for accounting, Trident Trust for um, legal compliance. Um, it, it's a it's a really great group of, of local people that I've known for many years. Um, it, they they already had uh, a previous fund that they made about four hundred percent for their investments uh, investors, and and that was really good timing. Mainly, they got in around a thousand and then got out um, somewhere in November twenty eighteen, and um, they they already had everything in place except for the technical stuff. So they have the portfolio manager, they have the, the business dev guy. They just really needed the technical stuff to help them evaluate coins other than Bitcoin. So that's where I come in and I try to help figure out how do these tokens accrue value, which one of them makes sense and, and which ones are the scams. Mm. That's not an easy so, job because there's a lot of them. <laughs> So now, I, I, maybe not. I take that back. It's pretty easy to spot things that aren't going to work very well or a team that can't provide it. Uh, so I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, D, go ahead and give them, give them the trademark. All right, man. Um, do you need any more AKAs or are you good? No, I'm kidding. In 10 words or less, uh, can you describe Bitcoin? Digital money. Skadoosh. That's it. I'd say over time, the ability of people to condense what Bitcoin is into very few words has gotten way better. Yeah, way, way better. I remember when we That's first started time. asking that question, like we got like paragraphs, like no one could ever do it. It was impossible for anyone to say anything that was coherent in less than 30 words. And now everyone's like, it's digital money. What, a, what do you want me to say? <laughs> That's a good sign. So I guess we're coalescing. We're coalescing around a narrative as opposed to like whatever people see uh, a future in. I don't know. Yeah, I, I look forward to the day where, um, you know, I go up and talk to someone and I'm like, oh, you're using Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. And they're like, yeah, I, I like money too, weirdo. <laughs> you like money? They're just like, what's the big deal? <laughs> there's no yeah, us yeah. dollar clubs yeah i guess that would be like when you're talking about it to your kids one day and you're like well i was around before there wasn't bitcoin like around for money what are you talking about grandpa shut the fuck up like 
Yeah, it's very true, man. That's what my that's exactly how my pops treated me. He was like, "Why are you so crazy about money? It's just money." And I was like, "It's not." Sh- shut up, old man. And then was, <laughs> that's how that conversation went. All right. Well, man, thanks for stopping by, and thanks for continuing to hang out in the Slack, and um, and good luck. Um, I'm sure you guys are gonna knock everything out of the ballpark with you know how much experience it sounds like you guys are working with, and you a specific experience in the industry. Um, I think now, especially, it's feeling like a really good time. So, um, yeah, just thanks.